we got to go to California uh, for a conference out there, amazing conference on leadership and um, just tons of great speakers, tons of great um, sessions that went on, creativity off the charts, all of that. And, and so we're out there and I'm noticing like as the week's going on, like I'm sneezing a bunch, like my eyes begin to swell up at different times and, and I just, my throat, I'm losing my voice. And, and so like as this is going on, I'm starting to go, you know, I think I'm allergic to California. Like, I think that's a thing. Like, I genuinely think that's a thing, and I have it. So, but, but it made me feel like this this morning. That's, that's about how my head feels right now. And my nose feels something like this, as if it's not big enough. Um, but, but we were out in California, and, and like, we, okay, so we arrived there Tuesday night, and it's, it's late when we get there, right? Uh, by the time we've eaten and all that stuff, and we're, we're like, but you're in California, you have to go to the ocean. Like, we can't be here and not go to the ocean. So the first night we go out and we're walking the pier and walking the beach and eating donuts. Why do you have to eat donuts at the ocean? I'm not sure, but it's great. Um, so we ate way too many donuts. And, you know, that's the first night. Wake up the next morning, we're like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, next day, get done with, with a long day. And we're like, come on, guys. You can't be here and not go to the ocean. So, so we go out and we walk the pier and eat more donuts and, and, and wake up the next morning. We're like, ah, which could have been the donuts now that I think about it. But, um, you know, just, just super tired. And the next night, guys, come on. Like, I know it's been a long day, but it's the ocean. Like, like it speaks to my soul. We got to go to the ocean. So yeah, we go out, walk the pier, eat more donuts and same thing again. Oh, I'm so tired. Right. So, so the last day we, we decided that, um, we were going to drive halfway because last year we went to the same conference and we, it ends at five o'clock on a Friday night. Anyone from Cali? Not a good time, right? So, so last time we're like, we're getting home, going to see our families. And we sat in traffic for four and a half hours and got home so late that we were worthless the next day. So this time we decided, okay, we're going to drive halfway. We'll eat, we'll go out and eat beforehand, drive halfway. And then, you know, like drive the other half. And so, so we get to the hotel that night and, and we're like, it's so late. And we wake up the next morning and it's the same thing. Like, oh, I'm so tired. And we get here at like 1.30 yesterday afternoon and then we do this. And um, I don't know what we were thinking. But somehow we thought by doing the same thing over and over, we would get a different result. Um, I remember being in high school and middle school and uh, my parents drilled into me, don't date someone who's unsaved, right? And so... Um, I'm like, that's great advice, but, but the town I'm in, mom and dad, you don't understand. Um, all the Christian girls, they ain't so pretty looking, and there's a whole lot of really pretty looking girls that aren't, like, they don't know Jesus, but I know Jesus, so I'll help them know Jesus, you know, that whole piece. And so, so I, I just need a girlfriend because I'm a young man in middle school and high school, and I need a girlfriend. So the cycle began in my life of, of I'm going to find a really attractive, unsafe person, and Jesus is going to infuse them through me, and it's going to be great. Um, it lasted about two weeks. I was annoyed and we were done. Right. So, but this cycle, and so I need a girlfriend. So I get a girlfriend, same thing happened. Two weeks later, I'm done. Get a girlfriend, same thing. Two weeks later, I'm done. And, and it's this cycle that I kept doing something, expecting a different result. Um, McDonald's two for two. I mean, come on, that's a good deal. I mean, if you, if you just put it in context, right for six bucks, which is the average price or used to be the average price of a meal anywhere, right? Like fast food wise. 
Six bucks, you can get six items. How can you resist? Right? So, so me and the guys, we go two for two, six items. Afterwards, oh, I'm going to die. Like, it's not good. The next day, but it's two for two, right? So we go again, six items. Now they're doing two for five, two Big Macs for five bucks. I'm going to die before next week. Um, but it's interesting, we, you know, you go two for two, and I feel bad after. I don't, there's a connection there, and yet you repeat the cycle. And, I, and I, I think within headlines, I think within headlines, some of us keep going to the same old ink, and we're getting the same old headlines, and we're wondering why. We keep going to the same old ink, and we write the same old headlines, and we go, I don't know why. I, I would dare say that some of you have, through this series, um, you've had moments where Jesus had just infused you, opened your eyes, shown you something, um, changed your heart. Maybe you met him for the first time and, and, and man, you walked out of here and, and you were cloud nine and, and then Monday hit and that person you don't like, they're still sitting at the same old desk across from you and you still don't like them. Um, but Jesus is, is alive and well. And so we're trying and, but by Friday you're tired and, and you're writing the same old headline with the same old person because you went back to the same old ink. I mean, dare say, we're, we're four weeks into this, right? So week one, maybe something happened, and, and now by week four, it's like, man, why am I still writing the same old headline? And if you're a point person or you're a note person and you're like, John, I, you go all over the place and I don't understand you, I'm going to give you the main point because I want you to get the main point. You ready? The main point is simply this, that fresh ink for fresh headlines. I believe we need fresh ink and fresh ink can change your headline. I believe that depending on the fresh ink you dip into, it will show you, it will write out a fresh story. Think about it, right? Because headlines, headlines are based on the events of today. The events of today write the what? Headline of tomorrow. Like you, you think about it for a second. Whatever happens today, that's what ends up being the headline where? There. So today becomes really important because what you do today, how you live today, the headline that you, the events of today will make that headline of tomorrow that looms over you, right? And that headline, along with a whole bunch more, will become the story of your life. And so today, all I want to do is I want to take four stories, and I just want to look at four stories from the Bible. And as we look at them, um, all we're doing is just pulling out different ideas of what that fresh ink looks like. And that's all we're going to do. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The context is fascinating, by the way, because within the context, it's, it's this moment when um, Good Samaritan, you guys heard of the Good Samaritan, right? And, and the moral of the story of the Good Samaritan is what? Who's my neighbor? Tell me who my neighbor is. Tell me who to love. Essentially, they're asking Jesus, Jesus, you give us the words and we will carry them out. So, so the words of Jesus are really important to following Jesus, is, is what the Good Samaritan's laying down, right? And so... In verse 38, then, we pick up with the next story, and it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Okay, context. Martha owns a house, which, which that's telling you something about the stature of her, who she was, 
in the community. She would have been respected. Like this is a lady who has a reputation. Okay. So Martha owns a house. Martha opens her house to who? Jesus. Good thing or bad thing? Good, right? That's a good thing. Like she's, she's opening her house. And by the way, it was a risky thing because Jesus had a whole bunch of people that were watching him that weren't so sure that he was good. They weren't so sure he was the one that you should be following. They weren't so sure that you should hitch your wagon to his, so to speak. Right? So, so when she opens this door, when she opens her home, she's taking a risk on her reputation going, Jesus, come on in. Jesus comes in and it tells us the next part is she has a sister. Her sister's name is Mary, and Mary is sitting where? At the feet of Jesus. Now, significance to us, right? Because we think sitting at the feet of Jesus is kind of weird. Um, what it was, was it was the posture of a disciple. It was the posture of one who said, said I am following this guy. I am following the significance of being at his feet is that when Jesus went, remember when Jesus went out and what's he been doing all all the way along so far to different people? Come on, follow me. Come on, follow me. Come on, follow me. Right? He's been doing that all the way along so far. Gets to this house. Mary takes that position. You know why she's at his feet? Because when he gets up to move, she wants to get up and move. See, following Jesus is she's so close that she's going, when those feet move, I know when it's time to move. So, so the posture she's taking is one of a disciple, a learner, one that is declaring, follow, I'm following him. Where he goes, I'm going to go. Right? On top of that, it says specifically, not only is she following, but she is listening to who? To Jesus. The God-man is speaking and she is listening. So she's in a posture of discipleship. Now, Martha, on the other hand, but, but... Martha was distracted. That word distracted means that she was drawn away from what she wanted to be around. She was drawn away from what she wanted to be. Okay, hang on. She is the one that what opened her door to who? Jesus. She wanted Jesus where? In her home. She wanted to be where? Close to Jesus. And in the midst of wanting to be close to Jesus, she's now distracted. She's drawn away. And what is she drawn away by? What's the next word say? She's drawn away by all the what? Preparations that had to be done. AKA, she got stuff to do, and that stuff to do is pulling her away. I don't know about you. There's so many times I want to be close to Jesus. So many times, like, I, I am on track. I'm like, I'm like, man, come on, I'm close to you. And in the midst of it, I go, oh, I got to do that. 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 And it's not long before I turn around, Jesus is over there, and I'm over here. She was drawn away by the stuff, all the things that she had to do. Why did she have to do them? What was at stake? She's a woman of stature. She's the host of the home. If Jesus has a bad time, who's it on? Her. She is so busy making sure that Jesus is looked after that she misses the point that Jesus is supposed to look after her. She, she's so distracted from the very thing that she, she was doing, but she was distracted by, what if all this doesn't get done, Jesus? 
Then in the community, you had a bad time. Everybody's going to know about it. My reputation's at stake. I got to make sure I work really hard to keep my reputation. She's so distracted by serving Jesus, by, by pouring herself out for Jesus. And I wonder how many of us, man, we get, we get in this church world, right? And we start out and it's wonder and awe and we meet Jesus and it's fresh and it's new. And it's not long before we we're so tired because we went to work for Jesus. And Jesus is going, oh, man, you got, you got, you got drawn away. You got drawn away. And it's interesting because now she's in this state, right? She's drawn away. Tons of stuff to do. She worked up. Halfway through 40, she says she came to him, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, when we read this, we read it like the Disney sing-along, right? There's the bouncing ball. It bounces from one word to the other and there's a flow. I don't think she's flowing at this point. I don't think this is like, hey, hey, Lord. I think it's like there's emotion involved. I think she's reading it. She's going, hey, Lord, you got to tell her to do something. How do I know that? Because Jesus says, man, you are worried and upset. That word upset is emotional. When you get emotional, does your voice change? Come on, ladies, when you want him to do something and he ain't doing it, don't tell me your voice don't change. Man, we get worked up. She's worked up because there's stuff to do. Don't you care, Jesus? Jesus, tell her to do something. You know what she's really saying, by the way? She's using a word saying, don't you care. She's telling Jesus, pick a side. Jesus, you pick a side. Okay? So, so first of all, she's drawn away. Now she's frustrated. She comes back. She goes, you pick a side, Jesus. Go ahead. And then on top of that, the word she uses, there's work to be done. You know what that word work is? It's often translated as slave. Okay? So what she's actually saying is she wants Mary to be put in her proper place underneath her. Because who's the homeowner? Martha. Mary is off the grid. Right? She's saying, Jesus, pull her back, put her in her place, make her do what she's supposed to do. Interesting. Man, if you can't get the humanity at this point, like if there's not something that resonates within you, when you want your way and Jesus ain't giving you your way and you get mad, you don't believe me? Look at how many Christians are posting online right now about the elections. I'm literally about to delete social media because I'm so tired of hearing Christians talk about politics more than Jesus. Like, I'm so tired of people saying, Jesus, pick a side. Come on, church. Come on. I mean, at this point, are we not distracted from the main thing? I mean, like, if you're at a place where you're frustrated because you, you've been doing something for so long, but now you're looking at this person and they're off the grid. Like, Jesus, you need, to, you need to get them straightened out. I mean, that's what she's asking them to do. Like, Jesus, put her in her place. Let's get this. This needs to be controlled, Jesus. It's out of control right now. But it needs to be controlled my way and how I want it, and you need to do this. And look at Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset. You are emotional. You're a mess. You're worried. You're anxious about many things, but few things are needed. And then Jesus corrects himself, which 
is amazing to me, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be what? Taken away from her. It will not be taken away. She's chosen what's better. And, and normally, like at this point, we talk about the presence of Jesus and sitting at the feet of Jesus, and we just need to sit at the feet of Jesus more. I, I actually, just in reading this, preparing for this, I changed my opinion. I changed the direction it was going because when I read the words, the words don't line up with the theology that's in my head about this passage. And, and here's what I mean, right? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Okay, what she's done, what her posture is saying is I am following, I am following Jesus. Wherever he goes, I'm going to go. That's a whole lot different than just sit at the feet of Jesus. That's a whole lot different. This, this is talking about life change. This is talking about, I am, I am posturing myself that I will follow this man wherever he goes. She is gaining fresh ink to write her story with. What I, mean, what I mean by that is, what is she doing at the feet of Jesus? First of all, I'll follow you wherever you go, but she is listening. She's listening to God. How many of us are like Martha, where we're telling God what we want him to do instead of sitting there and going, Jesus, what do you want me to do? There's a huge difference. I'm as guilty as charged, man. I speak way too much. Way too many times I'm in the presence of Jesus telling him what he needs to do instead of sitting there and going, what do you want me to do? See, the fresh ink for her life, the fresh ink for her life is sitting in that moment First of all, in a posture of surrender, going, I'm following you. If your feet move, I'm moving. And the second thing is, the fresh ink is, she's hearing the words of God over her life. She's, she's listening to what he has to say, what he cares about, where he's going, what he's doing. And she's allowing that to shape her heart. How do I know this? Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Someone last night sent me a text after, and they go, you sound like Batman partway through your sermon. Hoping my voice doesn't turn into Batman for you. Context here, okay? So, so the context is Lazarus is the brother of Mary and, and Martha, right? So Mary and Martha had a brother, Lazarus. And in chapter 11, Lazarus has this thing. Um, it's called death. He dies, right? And, and they go to Jesus, and they go, hey, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, our brother, they sent word when he was sick, but now he's died. He's been dead four days. They're worried about him like at four days. And in these terms, like it's done. There's no coming back. Right. But Jesus is the God of comebacks, by the way. Jesus steps in and, and Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Here's what I know. I'm going to make Christianity really simple for you. I'm going to make your life really simple for you. If there's a guy who can raise somebody physically from the dead, like, like raise them up after they've been dead for four days, that dude's worth following. Okay, now I'll go one step further. If that guy goes, I'm going to die on this day and I'm going to raise on this day and he does that, that's worth following. That's really simple Christianity for you, right? He's worth following. Think about it for a second. If he can predict his death, and he can not only predict it, but he can predict his resurrection, and he can do it, he's worth following. Okay? 
So that's the story that prefaces where we're going now. So, so Lazarus has been raised from the dead, right? He's come back to life. And in that context, then the next thing, six days before Passover, right? So chapter 11 is, is Lazarus raising from the dead, Mary and Martha's brother. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, where Lazarus, what? Lived. He was dead and he's alive. He lived, right? He lived. Whom Jesus, whom Jesus, just in case we think Lazarus did it, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was, here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save some of this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Well, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Okay. Second story about Mary and Martha, right? We have four characters. You have in this story, by the way, just, just for those of you that are, that are biblical, want to know how it all connects. There's in each of the gospels, there's a point in each of the four gospels. There's a point where it's recorded about Jesus getting anointed, right? However, Luke says that it was a sinful woman. People connect this to Mary. Mary's, I, I don't believe that this is the same moment. Okay, having looked at it, listen to different scholars, what they've written on it in their commentaries. It appears to me that Jesus was anointed more than once by a woman. We have very specific details in this one that Mary anoints Jesus. I believe that this happened after the story we just read in Luke. Okay, I don't believe that this is the same story and happened at the same time. So in that context, then there are four people in this story. One is Martha. What is Martha doing in the story? She's serving. She's doing what she's wired to do. The difference is, the difference is, there's no conversation with Jesus about Lazarus reclining at the table. There's no conversation with Jesus about what Mary's doing. Somewhere along the way, she moved from obligation to serving out of desire for Jesus. Her heart had changed. She's still doing what she's doing. I love the fact that she's still doing it. Jesus, like, like to me, this is God going, not condemning service, but condemning the heart that it comes out of. And so, so then the next person in the story is Mary. And Mary's where? Where is she still at, by the way? Feet of Jesus. She's still declaring, I'm a follower, I'm a follower. Right? Wherever his feet are, she's still there. By the way, if you, if you study the first century... It was common that if you said you were going to follow a teacher, you, the feet were important. And, and there's this language that became common um, in, in our circles of Christianity a few years ago. But the idea is that, that the dust would cover you of the rabbi because you were following that closely. 
She's still at the feet of Jesus. She takes this pint of pure nard, right? It's, it's, it's this oil. It's this perfume. And, and she dumps it over him. And here's what I want you to catch. The last story, she was sitting. She was sitting in a posture of following. She's listening. And, and the fresh ink that she begins to write out, in this case, she would say the fresh ink is generosity. You see, this what she's what she's taking and she's pouring out on Jesus was so valuable. This was her change in life. This is what she used to get married. This is how she got out of her sister's shadow. This was her change. This was her moment to go and be something. And, and so what happens is it's a year's worth of wages. She dumps it on Jesus. And, and, and I love what it says because it's out of the heart of generosity that she gives. It filled the whole what? Filled the whole house. The whole room is full of the aroma of her generosity to Jesus because the ink she's choosing to write out of is the what? The generosity she's learned from Jesus. She's now writing fresh headlines. And those headlines are filling everything she's around. What's interesting is the second guy in the story, Judas, or the third guy in the story, Judas. Judas loves what? Money. Judas loves money. That would be the opposite of what? Generosity. So, so in this context, you have, you have one writing with the fresh ink of generosity that she's learned from Jesus. And on the other side, you have Judas, who, by the way, what is, what is Judas? He is a disciple, which means that he was one of those that what? Is following Jesus wherever the feet go. What it tells me is that you can sit here week after week after week. You can be around the people of Jesus. You can be around Jesus himself and miss it. You can can spend your entire life showing up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and miss it. You can miss it. And I care. We do this because we care, right? Right? We care way too much. I care too much about you today to go, hey, it's okay, sit around Jesus, but miss it. No. No. Because what happens in this moment is Jesus doesn't hide what's going on in the heart. He, he just says it plain and simple. This is who you are. You do, you do this, right? Leave her alone, right? And, and here's what's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating. I don't think there's ever been a place where people have lived where money is more the focus than the times we live in right here, right now. Money has been given a power that, that easily supersedes Jesus. That if you just get enough of it, you get a whole lot. The problem is that's old ink that writes the same old headline of misery that ends up with Judas hanging himself. If that was true, that money will satisfy, money will make you happy, why does Judas end up killing himself. Why is it that one lady who has nothing gives everything, and in the moment of giving everything, it, it blesses the entire room with an aroma that's, that's sweet? There, there's another guy in the story, Lazarus, right? What's amazing about Lazarus is he was dead, and now he's alive. Um, you that have claimed Jesus as your Lord 
and Savior, you that have claimed Jesus for forgiveness, you that have surrendered and are following, can, can I tell you the Bible says that you are what? From dead to alive. You are alive. Now, what's interesting in this story is you get to the end of the story and guess what happens? They specifically says that people came to see Jesus, but they also came to see who? Lazarus. Why? Because he'd been taken from death to life. Church, can I tell you that you have been transformed by Jesus from death to life? That means that when people show up here on a weekend or they show up in your homes or they show up wherever you are, yes, they're showing up to see, see and hear about this Jesus, but you know what? They're showing up to see you. They're showing up to go, I want to see these people who say that Jesus has made a difference. I want to see these people who declare to have life. Because you are as fascinating as Jesus is. Why? Because you are the resurrected. And the resurrection is alive and well now. It's not something that's coming. It's here. It's now. You are alive. And what Jesus invites you into is will you take your, your whatever it is, pen, however you want to describe it, and will you dip it into the ink? And will you write a fresh headline out of life, not death? Because we go to death too often and what we get is the same old headline and what people are craving for around you as they're craving your families your friends whatever it happens to be whatever circles you influence they're they're they are craving for you to be a man to be a woman to be a kid to be a student that would stand up and go i'm going to pen my life with fresh ink of life not death y'all all right Sure you're all right? Okay. Making sure we're okay. By the way, when they came to see Lazarus, the last words of that passage are, He whom he hath made a life. You know what happens when you begin to fresh, put fresh headlines out of the life that you have in Jesus? They don't see you, they see I have two more stories. You all are like, this is going to be a long sermon. I'm way out of time. The other two stories were this. It's Thomas. Jesus has died. He's rose again. And all of, all of Thomas's buddies are going, hey, 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 hey. He's, we've seen him. And Thomas makes a statement that I love. Because we, okay, if you were to put a headline, church people, you've been around church for a while. If you put a headline over, over Thomas, what is it? Doubting Thomas. That is the most ridiculous headline you could ever put over that man. How about honest Thomas? You know why he's honest? Because he's in the midst of doubt. And you know what he declares when they're saying, hey, we've seen him, bro. He goes, you know what? I can't believe it unless. He goes, I can't. I can't get past it. He's honest with his doubt. He's honest with his struggle. He's honest with where he's at. And you know what happens? Jesus walks through a wall and comes through a locked door. Now, okay, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right? He walks through a wall with one purpose in mind because he goes straight up to who? Thomas. And he goes straight up to Thomas. It's a week later and out of grace, he goes, hey, Thomas, do me a favor, bro. Put your finger here and put your hand here. 
Why? Because it matters that much that you believe in who I am. I believe, church, that out of grace, out of grace, Jesus will show up and he will provide what you need. But what you've got to be is honest with him. And so this morning, if you're here and you're a doubter and you're going, I man, there's so many things in this Christianity. I just, I just want to believe, but I have these barriers. Can I tell you the best thing you can do? Go home today, close your door and just you and God go, God, here you go. Here's my doubt. Here's my struggle. Here's what I can't get past because I know this much. My God loves you so much and my Jesus will walk through a locked door for you. And he will show up and he will provide what you need because your belief is that important. Second thing about that story with Thomas that I love, it ends with, it ends with um, those that, that believe but haven't seen, he calls them blessed. Anyone in the room believe by faith? You didn't see Jesus, but you believe by faith. Can it, you're blessed. You are blessed. What that blessed means is that you are favored by God. God is on your side. So take the ink of being blessed and dip it in, dip your pen in and write a headline as someone who is blessed by God. You are blessed. God is on your side. He is for you. Write your story as someone that God is for me. He's not against me. We have too many Christians walking around and they got the weight of the world on their shoulders. You think God hated them. And he calls you blessed because you believe without seeing. One last story. And I'm over. One last story. Peter. I, I can relate to Peter. Seriously, there's so many times I feel like Jesus goes, hey, John, just stay in there while I put the dude's back ear back on, okay? You just stay right there while I put the ear on. Peter makes a declaration. He goes, man, I I will never betray you, Jesus. In fact, I'd go to prison for you and I'd die for you. And Jesus goes, eh, don't think so. Before the night's out, you'll run away like a little schoolgirl and he runs away like a little schoolgirl. Interpretation mine. Um, But Jesus, again, again, can we get a glimpse of Jesus for a moment? Jesus comes to Peter in his guilt and in his shame and in his bad choices. And in his messed up theology, in his lack of courage, Jesus comes to Peter and he gives him exactly what he needs. And he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Jesus. Hey, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Jesus. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus goes, feed my sheep then. But you know what he says next? Peter, this is how you're going to die. This is the death you're going to suffer for me, Peter. And you know what's fascinating with that? Is is that's the death you're going to suffer, Peter? What's fascinating with that is what comes next. Because Peter goes, hey, what about that dude? What's he come out like? And Jesus says, Peter, it's of no concern. And kind of just in this headline thing as we we wrap it up, what, what hit me with that is Peter had his own ink to write from. And his ink didn't look like that person's. It was the ink that Jesus had entrusted to him, right? And Peter was going to write headlines. And, and so you, you have your ink, and they have their ink. It's really profound. Your ink is yours, theirs is theirs. Play with your own ink. 
And it sounds really, really, really dumb and kind of chuckly to say, but here's the thing, right? There's too many people that are trying to write someone else's story for their own. Jesus set you free to write your own headlines. They're yours. They're personal. Jesus gave you ink to write your headlines. Church, we need you to write your headline because no one can write it like you. He didn't need Martha to break open her oil and put it over Jesus. Like He needed Mary to do that. What Martha needed to do was what? Serve. So take your ink and write your headlines. What I love about all three, all four of those stories is simply this, that Jesus met them where they were at. You know why? Because that's where they were at. Church, if I can encourage you with anything as you write new headlines, it's simply this, that Jesus will meet you where you are at. You know what it requires, though? That I tell him and I'm willing to be honest with what? Where I'm at. See, we're always trying to clean up. We're always trying to be better than what we really are. Like what Jesus wants is he goes, just be honest. And I'll meet you right there. And then once I meet you right there, we'll begin to write headlines that are fresh and new. Because the events of today are the headlines of tomorrow that are the story of your life. Let's pray. God, thanks for who you are. Thank you for thank you for recording stories of just genuine humanity and genuine moments of that humanity meeting you. Thank you for showing in the flesh what you are like, that God, you are a God of grace and you are a God who provides and you're a God who will meet us where we're at. Thank you for being a God who you have declared ahead of us headlines that are to be written and you've provided the ink to do so. God, would you give us the courage to take what you've given? Give us the, the wisdom, the insight, the inspiration, whatever it takes. God, would you, would you allow us today to take where we are at, what we have been given, and God, write a new headline. God, that people would see our headlines and much like Lazarus, they would see the life that's there, the joy that's there, the peace that's there, the hope that's there, and declare that Jesus has done a work here. May our lives tell a story, and may they be the story of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.